And again, you're listening to Arts on Fire here on WRFA. That was music from Daryl Scott. As we mentioned, he is performing in Jamestown this Monday night, September 30th at Shaw Bucks as part of the season premiere of Rolling Hills Radio with Ken Hardley. And joining us via telephone is Daryl Scott himself. Daryl, thanks for taking time out and talking with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Happy to uh, to talk with you, and uh, I guess maybe uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what people can expect when they come and see you perform this coming Monday night up here in Jamestown. But a good place to start out with is, is how has 2019 been treating you? Very, very well. Um, you know, it's been a busy year. Uh, you know, there were travels over to uh, England and Ireland earlier in the year, like March, and, uh, you know, tours up... Uh, the east coast tours out west for this summer uh then you know at times being home uh going in and working on new recordings and then where we live is a a farm and so we have uh, animals and sheep and goats and and cattle and and all that kind of stuff and and organic uh you know crops and things like that so uh and of course i have a farm manager because there's no way a traveling musician could do this stuff uh, and and then that's what we do. We go around and play music through most of the good weather season, and then come winter we kind of hold up in our uh, farm and cabin area and, and really enjoy all that. Right on, right on. It sounds like a a great life and a charm life that you're you're leading. So so you mentioned that obviously in the winter time you you settle down a little bit. So I would imagine right now you're um, working currently in terms of uh, a specific project or maybe even a tour. Yeah, you know, the tour, uh, a lot of times touring to me and a new new release aren't exactly related, but they can be. Uh, and so it's not like I'm out on a particular something or other. Uh, but I am working on, you know, there'll be a new record out first part of next year that I'm finishing up, you know, even like this week and stuff like that. Uh, and really wintertime is the time to uh, to kind of just chill and we have a wood stove, and we, we heat with wood because we've got a lot of wood here. And that's our time to take it easy, you know, uh, put stews and soups on the on the stove for a couple of days uh, of cooking. And it's just a kind of a slowdown. We kind of kind of tear it up a bit during the, the rest of the year traveling and doing shows, and then this the winter becomes the time to hibernate like the bear. Right, and you're currently uh, calling us from uh, the Nashville area then, right? Yeah, between Nashville and Knoxville is, is where my farm is. That, that It's the Cumberland Plateau is what they call it, I guess. All right, and you'll be coming up here to the Allegheny Plateau. It's what we call the area of uh, the southern tier oh, of New cool. York State. So from one plateau to another, right? Yeah, I'll be there in our uh, truck camper. That's how we Super. travel around uh, in a lot of shows is uh, – a truck that has a camper, like a truck camper, um, in the back of it so, you know, we can cook. And and I'm expecting the leaves to be, uh, like, maybe, you know, on their way uh, to being colorful uh, this next week. You think that might be true? Well, it's getting a little bit of a late start fall is here, which we don't complain about. You know, anytime we can prolong the, uh, the warmer weather as much as possible, that's good. Although okay. uh, the leaves do start generally changing at the end of September, so you, you might have perfect timing, although you might be a week or two early. If, if you go further up yeah. north in New York, it's uh, a little bit better in the Adirondacks, obviously, and even the Catskills. But over in western okay. New York, we're a little bit more delayed. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But it's still beautiful. Uh, country and a beautiful place to visit, that's for sure. 
Great, you, great. You, you mentioned that you're uh, you're wrapping up an album, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask later on in the interview. Is I saw that you've put together albums just about every two or three years during the past twenty years, and then the latest album, Couchville Sessions, came out in 2016. So you are due for a new album. So I'm glad you mentioned that you are just wrapping one up, and it's going to be released early next year. What can people expect from that album that may be different than what you've done in the past, or will it be somewhat in, in the same vein of the uh, the singer songwriter style that you're known for? It's it's all definitely singer-songwriter oriented. Uh, my trouble right now is that I'm actually working on four records, which is might be a uh, practice of insanity. But uh, And so I honestly don't know which one's going to come out because uh, I'm really kind of working on them um, simultaneously. Um, and uh, one, one record is... Uh, I, I uh, recorded just a few weeks ago with my bluegrass band, and you know, great players: fiddle, mandolin, banjo, upright bass. And uh, again, though, original songs, uh, you know, singer-songwriter songs of mine, um, and, um, and but with the flavorings of those instrumentations, you know. And then another record I'm working on is um, a Hank Williams tribute because I grew up on Hank Williams music through my dad. Uh, and uh, so I've done kind of an electric version of uh, Hank Williams' song, so I've got a whole batch of that, uh, and that might be the one that comes out next year. And uh, I've also got a live record that's more folk, but still song-oriented. And that's the thing, no matter what I do musically, I, they're all song-oriented. I'm still, that's where I'm coming from is songs. Whether it's Hank Williams' songs or mostly my own, um, I, I love songs, even though I'm a player uh, as well, but it's really the songs that, that I like uh, spreading the word on. So so what's the basic process for songwriting? Uh, lyrics before melody and structure, or do you flesh out the song first and then try to apply lyrics to it afterward? Most of the time, uh, almost every time, it's actually the inspiration uh, is the very first thing, like the thing that just gets my attention while driving or while doing whatever, and it just kind of sneaks up on me and then just basically taps me on the shoulder, so to speak, or gets my attention from whatever I was doing before, which was not writing a song. Uh, And that inspiration is the first thing. Uh, And then that inspiration, you know, could take me to a lyric uh, or a melody, uh, and maybe that inspiration point came with something like that, a lyric or a melody. And then I'll just kind of follow then that inspiration to where it takes me next. Uh, so I'm not a very disciplined writer that sits down daily or anything. Um, but when the inspiration arrives uh, or the, the sort of shift to pay attention to a song or then I, I then off I go, I can't be stopped then. But up until then, um, I guess I'm just, you know, busy or living or something. And then, and so I kind of wait for the songs to sort of get my attention. And it could be lyric first, it could be melody, it could be both at the same time. Uh, and that's that's sort of what I stay my tune to. My antenna is up for for uh, the inspiration. So not more organic and not forced. It's not anything that you try to uh, make happen. You just uh, let it yeah. happen as it comes. Yeah, and there's a good reason for that all the time. And it's not like I haven't sat down to write or couldn't write a certain kind of something, I guess. 
upon command or because I've scheduled it or something. But what what happens when I schedule stuff often, it sounds like a song that was a result of a schedule. And those are very different songs than a song that's the result of an inspiration. And so because of my knowledge of the, the results of the two different approaches, uh, I'm really kind of only looking for those special songs, the inspirational type songs, the, the songs that I had to write for different reasons other than I put it in my schedule. So if, if scheduled songs came out with amazing inspirations, then I would feel differently about it. But in my experience, scheduled song time writing sounds like scheduled songs. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I think the world has enough uh, sort of uninspired songs. We need, we need the good stuff. Uh, now more than ever. Right on. Less, uh, less contrived is, is always better, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, talk, yeah. Talking with uh, Daryl Scott here on Arts on Fire. So, so Daryl, you're known for your songwriting and your studio work in Nashville, but also, uh, obviously, you go out on tour quite a bit. Uh, do you have a preference? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you keep very busy when you're in the studio. You mentioned that you have uh, four basic albums waiting in the wings right now. Is there a preference yeah. between working in the studio and getting it down just right, or do you enjoy more performing in front of live audiences and and sharing the experience with them. You know, it's funny. I I can't exactly be nailed down to any one of those, uh, including the songwriting or anything else. I, I'm a guy who likes difference like every day. Like I wouldn't want to eat the same breakfast every morning of my life, uh, uh, or eat at the same Indian restaurant, every meal or things like that. I, I'm a guy who likes to uh, uh, follow my nose on on things, including inspiration stuff, and including you know I love the what happens when playing music in a show. Uh, that's very different than uh, than say working on a studio album for months at a time. You know that show is just that night, and it has its own special uh, once once in a lifetime kind of thing for it. Uh, for example, I don't come out and play uh, a set, uh, a prescribed set or a set list. I don't have a set list of the songs I'm going to do that night. So when I come out at Jamestown, it's going to be influenced completely by however I feel or what I saw that day or what songs popped in my head on the drive or what songs pop in my head between things, between songs up on stage. Uh, it's so sort of in the moment, and that's really actually what I'm looking for. It's so in the moment that sometimes I'm introduced and, I, and I'm heading toward the microphone, and I literally don't know what song I'm going to do yet. And it's that kind of, I, I push it that far. And, and I certainly don't know the second song, and I won't know the third song. And, but it it's never anything to exactly worry about uh, because something something shows up. Uh, and it probably runs from something inspiration, something that just kind of occurred to me, uh, and then it's kind of music in the moment, or I'm sure that I also fall back on some habitual things I've done in the past musically, and then I try to get out of that. So it's it's this little dance that I do of uh, really making the night unique to that night, and it won't be the same the next night or the night before. It's just that's literally how... Far I take that. 
And that, that makes it special for the audience as well, and I'm sure then, obviously, uh, knowing that yeah. what they're getting is a unique experience that the audience the night before, the week before, didn't get to see. That's, that's, that's true. And, you know, I'm sure there's similarities. Generally speaking, like it's a guy with a, with a guitar and a voice, you know, type of similarities. But uh, honestly, the, the, the nights and the sets are uh, very different, and that's honestly that's how I want it to be. I know how to put a set together. I just don't want to. I think this other way is a little more uh, honest and genuine to uh, what it is I'm trying to get out of a performance, which is something unique. All right. Uh, you've been recognized. You've won national awards for both your albums as well as your own original songs. Uh, yet you've also had your work recorded and made popular by various other recording stars, including Travis Tritt, Faith Hill, Alan Jackson, Brad Paisley, the Dixie Chicks. Even Beyonce appears on that, that list. Um, is yeah. it, what's your reaction when you, you, know, you have these heavy hitters in the music industry taking your song and, and making it their own, basically? Is it bittersweet, or, or do you find that gratifying to know that it's getting such widespread uh, attention through, oh, through these artists? Oh, it's, it's fantastic, because... Uh, you know, I'm I'm a lover of songs. Uh, my you know my songs, uh, the good ones, and uh, somebody else's songs too. I'm just I'm about the song. And um, one way to put it is, let's say my reach as an artist uh, has a has has a a certain reach, but then the reach of the some of those names you mentioned have a much larger reach. Uh, you know. Uh, to get the, a song out. They just do. A larger audience, a larger, many more times played on radios and all that kind of stuff. And so really the song, which is what I'm about, gets to um, be brought out in, into the light uh, or into a listening of audience far greater when, you know, folks with huge careers take my songs and do do their version of it. So, And then I do my versions too, so... I, I see that as a win-win situation that, uh, and no bittersweet to it at all because uh, there's nothing bitter about it. It's like, oh, my God, look, Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks are doing a duet of my song. Isn't that great? And won't that song reach places that I won't even be able to even consider uh, on my own? So it's a win-win situation. You've also collaborated with a bunch of legends, uh, Emmy Lou Harris, Steve Earle, even Robert Plant as part of the Band of Joy project. As yeah. A, yeah, as a longtime respected professional musician, you yourself being that respected professional musician in the music industry, I'm sure performing yeah. with household names at some is common, but at some point it's got to be somewhat puts you in awe as well, saying, holy cow, here I am working alongside Robert Plant. I mean, do you get that, or, or do you strictly play it cool and you are uh, the consummate professional? No, I definitely... I remember when, uh, on the Robert Plant part, um, you know, oddly enough, I wasn't a listener of Zeppelin uh, when I was a, a young man, or, you know, in my teens. Uh, I, I wasn't listening to, to rock and roll. As, oddly enough, I got... I listen to more rock now at this age than I ever did at 16. Uh, so, but of course I knew who Robert Plant was and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. But I remember recording the album because that's what happened. We recorded uh, the, the Band of Joy album before we ever went on tour. As a matter of fact, it was only you know a, a two-week album project and there was no talk at all of even going on tour. I was just a studio 
musician, one of the four pieces in the band. Uh, but I remember the moment where I was playing on, it was a Towns Van Zandt song for the Robert Plant album. With Robert, we're all tracking together. And I just remember getting chills because it caught, I finally got caught a glimpse of like, wait a minute, that's Robert Plant in there singing. And, you know, I'm giving it everything I got, you know, on, and then this is a Towns Van Zandt song. And I just thought that, that combo, I, I got chills definitely while tracking a particular song because I, I kind of got it, you know, otherwise I keep a certain professional thing because that's just what you need to do. I mean, you know, I'm a player there. I'm a professional, but that also, uh, that chill factor happened when it was like, that's Robert Plant and that's a Towns Van Zandt song. And I'm sitting here doing this. Yeah, I definitely have those moments and and those are great because I'm definitely a professional, but I'm, I'm before I was a professional, I was a huge and still am a huge fan of music. I'm in awe of what music does, which is why I still do this uh, at all the different things I do from working on records to the show there in Jamestown or uh, any of the, the crazy stuff I've done following music. It's, it's never really uh, let me down. There's always some good something that keeps going on about this, which is why I do it. Right on. You mentioned Towns Van Zandt. Of course, you talk about the uh, Hank Williams uh, project you're working on. Is there any specific um, artist or, or legend that you want to pattern yourself after or try to in the early days of your career? Or do you keep such a you know a wide breadth of artists in, in the stable that you've listened to and followed? There really isn't single, one single person that you emulate. No, there really hasn't been a single one. I noticed that at different times, you know, from age 12, 14, 16 on, there would be different periods. Like, I definitely had a Gordon Lightfoot period. I definitely had a Joni Mitchell period. I definitely had, uh, you know, a guitar player period where I'd listen to great jazz players and and, uh, chicken pickers of Telecaster style or flat picking. And and really what I am, I think, is a, um, oh, uh, what's that? A chameleon. Uh, or a sponge would be another way of saying it. I absorb all the listenings that I've done and all the things, and they just get inside me. And then when it's time to play, some kind of co- some kind of collective is what comes out. Uh, and it's the closest thing I can get to, so to speak, me or my sound. But I have listened hugely to Johnny Cash and Pat Metheny and jazz and... Um, go to classical concerts uh, here at Nashville Symphony and uh, world music. And my palate is huge and big because I love it. And then I think somehow at this age, it's I'm trying to really do whatever speaks to me is coming from me more than the emulating. But I've actually emulated, you know, so many great folks on some level. I've absorbed, tried to absorb something about, writers, players, singers, uh, and then somehow when it comes time for me to write, play, or sing, the hope that it comes out as something unique of mine. 
All right. Uh, we're talking with Daryl Scott, wrapping up our interview here in Arts on Fire, and uh, Daryl performing, of course, at Shawbox as part of the season premiere of Rolling Hills Radio with Ken Hardley on September the 30th, which is this coming Monday night. You mentioned that, obviously, you don't have any set lists um, you've set out for for this show here, and obviously it's kind of hard to tell people what to expect when they come out and see you, but if um, people are, are waffling on the fence in terms of wondering, well, should I come out and see this live or just wait until it comes out on the radio or we see the video, um, what, what do you say or, or what, can, what should people know to get in the seats to watch you perform live? Well, it's, I'm definitely a singer-songwriter, uh, so there's that going on, but I'm also a player, and so there's uh, playing going on, so I accompany myself more like a lead guitar player than a, than a folk singer playing the chords type of thing, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just that I, I'm a lead player, too, so there's uh, guitar playing going on and improvisation and larger solos. Uh, if if the night feels good in this solo, I'll just stay in and then extend it. And and the largest thing I could say is it's um, it's just kind of a unique night of singer songwriter uh, musician uh, that just kind of has the antenna up to uh, try to make a unique a- night out of th- that very evening because that's that's my goal and um, th- I think that's what's going to happen. All right. Well, well, you'll be, uh, of course, uh, sharing the stage with the host, Ken Hardley. He does a wonderful job with interviews. And, and just judging by this conversation we're having, you are a great person to talk to. And I'm sure you'll have a lot of stories to tell as well as more information to share with the listeners who show up. So that's another incentive to get them there yeah. in this season, just to hear you expound more on, on the music and the business and, of course, uh, what it means to you, the, the art of crafting the song. It really is appreciated yeah. that you'll be coming up into town. We look forward to it. Very much, and, and I've uh, tuned in on some of Ken's uh, broadcasts in the past, so I got a flavor for uh, of, of what he's up to a little bit or what the show has done historically. So I make those adjustments. I, I kind of have my antenna up, and it's like, ah, so that's... And then that'll influence what happens that night. And uh, also, one thing, Ken did ask that we do a song together, so I, I know at least one song we're going to do that night. <laughs> right on. <laughs> because... Because he asked, you know, for some advance on that, and uh, I chose a great old Carter family song uh, called Keep on the Sunny Side. So I bet we do it, And uh, uh, but I have no idea what else we're going to, what I'm going to do that night. But uh, my goal is to be authentic and, uh, and play and sing and give it everything I got is my usual M.O., you mentioned the Carter family, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. I, I believe you've actually participated in the Ken Burns documentary, Country Music, right? Not the filming, but the uh, but the previewing uh, for the last few months. You know, there's a lot of music festivals will have a, a portion of a, of a the festival, maybe a workshop or a panel, talking about, you know, this film and it coming out. And I've been on two of those, one with the producer and writer of, uh, of, of this country music documentary, which is huge honors for me because I grew up in country music, full, full tilt. Um, and this documentary is absolutely amazing. And I've been uh, watching it uh, uh, in my own time. You know, I can watch it through PBS.org and, you know, watch it at three in the morning, which is kind of what I've been doing. Uh, and yes, I've been on panels 
but I'm not in the film itself. But um, man, is this an amazing documentary! It's it's that greatness we kind of come to know about the Ken Burns uh, films, but it's about a subject that has normally, in my opinion, being a lover of country music, been marginalized. And this is a full-on view of the integrity that this music has, because a lot of times it's you can be perceived as hay bales and and teeth and and moonshine and and all that you know cartoon stuff of country music and i'm speaking of the old stuff that's the stuff that matters to me uh the old country music like say pre-1980 mm-hmm. uh, country music and um this film could not do a better job than what it's doing the only thing it could make it better is i heard there were 80 hours of of footage and they had to turn it into 16 and a half the only thing that could make it better is if we could watch all 80 hours if you ask me <laughs> yeah. So I I could not be a bigger fan of what this film is doing. It uh it and I remember telling uh uh Dayton the uh, the writer and producer I said you've brought the dignity that I know is in country music into this documentary and for that you know I just thank you fully and forever because I know that this music has dignity and because uh, I grew up in it, I lived it, I've seen my family and the history of, of what country music means to people who love country music and, and they got it on this film and I could not be happier about that. Right on. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I could not be happier to uh, have you coming to Jamestown. A piece of Nashville coming to Jamestown. Daryl Scott performing Monday night at Shawbox Rolling Hills Radio. I believe a few tickets still remain, so uh, make sure you get them uh, sooner rather than the day of the show. Otherwise, yeah. you'll you'll miss out. Daryl, it's a pleasure talking to you. I really thank you for taking time out and talking with us today. Um, I look forward to seeing the show on Monday night. In the meantime, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I'm looking forward to getting up to uh, from my plateau to your plateau. Let's see. I'll, I'll be comparing plateaus for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, Daryl Scott, thank you so much for talking with us today on Arts on Fire. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Bye-bye. This is Arts on Fire here on WRFA. A pleasure to talk with Daryl Scott. Let's play another one of his tracks. This is actually him doing a cover this time around. He is covering Paul Simon's American Tune. On the other side of this, we're going to talk with Matt Swanson. He is the director, writer, producer of the film Empire, a locally produced film that is going to be showing at the Regiline Center for the Arts on Saturday night. All the details about the film, what it's about, what it was like making the film, and more with Matt Swanson coming up in just a moment. But again, this is Daryl Scott covering some Paul Simon right here on Arts on Fire. Many the time I've been mistaken and many a time confused Yes, and I've often felt forsaken And certainly misused But I'm alright, I'm alright I'm just weary to my bones Still you don't expect to be bright and 